If you asked, you know, what are the five greatest brands in the world? If you asked, you went out and you asked professionals this question. You know, I think Nike would be on everybody's list. Coca-Cola would be on everybody's list. Disney would be on everybody's list. And Apple would be on everybody's list. This is Tattoos Not Brands, a podcast that explores how we as marketers can give meaning to our products and services without conforming ourselves to a rigid set of rules or copying the status quo. Every episode, we're talking to different marketing experts to understand the choice of a tattoo or the imposition of a brand. Let's get started. Welcome to this week's episode of Tattoos Not Brands, Marketing Outside the Lines. I'm your host, Nova Lorraine. And I'm your host, Clint White. On this episode, we'll be talking about business evolution and growth, as well as the challenges that might come with that. And coffee. (laughs) So, Clint, speaking of growth, how can a company's growth impact their position as a tattoo versus a brand? Well, growth has to be self-defined and it can't be templated or one size fits all. Growth is not always good as well. That needs to be said out loud. I'm not saying that is the norm. Growth is anticipated. Growth is is part of the velocity of any business, but the question of why am I growing? What do what gets better? What gets worse when I grow? And I define being a brand as when you are known to eight or nine people out of ten walking down any street in the United States, having a product or service that is needed or desired by almost everyone, having a long Longevity in the marketplace, investing at least $2 billion in marketing activities to stay top of mind, as well as something magical or special or universally important. So, if that is an agreed upon definition of, of a brand, Apple, Nike, Disney, those are things that are going to take a while and require a lot of sacrifice. So the way that happens is through a mixture of things coming together for a concerted amount of time with good headwinds and good luck in making headway in a marketplace. Hmm. Okay. A tattoo, tattoo gives you flexibility and allows you to say, I'm going to grow, I'm going to have this plan, I'm going to maintain this business in a way that is going to fulfill my goals. Okay. So I think that's the difference. All right. Great. Why do you think it's important for companies to understand the difference between a tattoo and a brand as they grow and evolve, Nova? Well, as we have shared on previous episodes, tattoos have this emotional connection and impact. And If you want to have that as a brand, you have to think about what is that stickiness factor? Why is someone not only going to come the first time, but what's going to keep them coming back and back and back? And then what are those unique elements within your brand? Maybe the story, maybe the product, the packaging, or the ingredients. What is that that will carry word of mouth? Because a lot of tattoos grow by word of mouth. A lot of them grow because they create this powerful draw for the consumer to come back. They give a reason 
to the customer to specifically seek them out. If you're just looking for, let's say, for example, popcorn, and you could, yeah, you could buy any popcorn, but maybe your product is the only popcorn that has specially aged cheese from <laughs> Southern Spain. Especially you know? aged. Not, not <laughs> yeah. Especially specially aged mm-hmm. cheese. <laughs> That's how I consider myself. Describe myself. Well, it's important to say we're talking about coffee today, and it's coffee as a brand, I'd say, and, and those that make it, brew it, sell it are tattoos. Maybe Starbucks being an exception, as we've said on a previous episode. But the thing is that everybody has their own way that coffee is made, is prepared properly for their taste buds and their mood or the reason that they're drinking it. So the ritual of coffee has so much to do with user experience, which is something that I write about in early on in, in my book, Tattoos Not Brands. And it's something that has, I think, gotten some good debate going because user experience, okay, yes, it's the way somebody goes through a website or an app or a store. But to me, the unlock has been user experience is how you feel before, during, and after having a certain experience of a product or a service or, or something in real time. Mm. So the ritual, the, the habit, the, the necessity of coffee is something that I think we'll be able to unpack here and it's going to be a lot of fun. Who's our guest today, Nova? Speaking of coffee, we have a very special guest on today's show, Caroline Bell from Cafe Grumpy. Hey, Caroline. Hi, how are you? Thanks so much for having me. Hey, Caroline, welcome. Thank you. Are we having coffee together today? (laughs) Well, I have a funny story. So a little birdie told me about Cafe Grumpy and sent me a your coffee as well as the orange cup, the mug. Nice. <laughs> it is one of my favorite because I'm also a tea drinker. I drink primarily tea, but I will have coffee occasionally. It is my favorite cup in the world. Like I just, it just makes me smile when I like pick up my brightly colored orange cup with this little pouty face on it. <laughs> That's what it's supposed to do. Thank you. That's nice to hear. I love it. I love it. So I think it's cool that you took over the Starbucks space in Grand Central a while ago. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was sometimes it took a while. People kept coming in thinking they were still in Starbucks, mm-hmm. but you know, because they're <laughs> used to their routine. Sure. But, yeah, yeah exactly. we love that spot. So we have some great customers and it's picking up after the pandemic. So we're seeing yep. people back in the office. So that's really nice yep. also. Good, good. Awesome. Well, let's share with the listeners a little bit about Cafe Grumpy and then we could jump into our Q&A. So Cafe Grumpy is an independently owned coffee company founded in 2005 by husband and wife team Caroline Bell and Chris Trumbull in Brooklyn, sourcing specialty coffee and maintaining positive relationships with coffee producing partners is the foundation of Cafe Grumpy's coffee program. Roasting is done in their Greenpoint facility on a vintage ProBat roaster and Cafe Grumpy is a certified women owned business. So I'm so excited to dive in deeper into this company because selling coffee with so many other coffee companies already in existence and you have Starbucks on every corner. And, and when I heard of your company and I heard that 
It was female led. I was all over it. (laughs) I was like, where, when, what I want to know about this. And I was in the city just recently and I saw your sign and I was like, I have to go. I felt like a proud mama. Oh, that's nice. (laughs) I saw the orange (laughs) sign and the little pouty face. I was like, oh, so let's just get into it. Let's, the listeners are hearing how excited and passionate we are. Let's dive in so they can also hear a little bit more about what you're doing. I'm going to pass the mic over to you, Clint. Yeah, great, 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 great. Well, what makes Cafe Grumpy different from other coffee companies? I think since the beginning, we always wanted to create like a very positive, welcoming atmosphere and also just make it fun. Like you said, how you went to the store and you saw the pouty face and you and you have your mug and you kind of relate. So we just want, wanted to create something relatable and fun and also just with coffee at the forefront. So we take the coffee seriously, but then not take ourselves too seriously. That is okay. perfect. I think that's what the icon... <laughs> now I know what the icon represents. <laughs> And it's, it's based on a coffee bean. So if you've seen a coffee bean up close, it has a little like crack in the middle, sort of like, and if you don't turn it upside down, it makes a little frowny face. So all mm. we kind of were looking at them and they all kind of were staring at us with these little expressions. So that's where it came from. And my brother designed the logo based on the bean that we had. So it, mm. it was just, yeah, took it from there. That's so funny. Clint, I see a trend in these stories, these really unique stories behind these founders that we're talking to. Yeah, totally. And, and given that family connection and everything, how has your company evolved over the years? Well, it's, I mean, we started as one small store in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. It was 2005. Luckily, we were across from a movie studio. So we got a lot of business, you know, when people are taking breaks between shoots. And then our second location opened a year after that. So we kind of grown organically. It's just uh, me and my husband are the owners. and. So we've expanded as fast as we can, but really being mindful of where we're opening up. And now we are up to, we have 12 locations in New York. We have one in New Jersey and one in Miami. And we have about probably 70 staff right now. So it used to, it's gone from like me and Chris working behind the bar every day to full, a big company with a roastery and a grocery line and a, we have a beverage line as well and wholesale wow. customers so it's really gone beyond what we thought we just thought let's make a nice place for people to come have coffee like how hard could it be and it, it was definitely a lot harder than we thought but <laughs> we had the coffee to keep us going so we <laughs> made it this far not gonna wood. <laughs> I love it I love that and you mentioned that you're across from a movie studio and you were also featured on a TV show. So how did we hear how the movie studio and the location impacted your business? How did being featured on a TV show affect your business? Yeah, that was great. We were, we have been on a few different TV shows just because we have been used as a location because we're quite convenient to the studio. But Mm -hmm. when we were featured on, you're probably talking about when we were featured on Girls because that was the one that got the most coverage, I think. Yeah. So that was, it was a surprise because we had, we didn't know that the coffee shop would actually be a character on the show. So it wasn't until we started watching it that we realized that was what was happening. And then a few of our baristas that actually worked in the store were, were also acting as baristas on the show, which was really fun. Mm, um, wow. Okay. And, and I think it did definitely get us our reach. It made us reach definitely more people. We'd have people come to Greenpoint as like a pilgrimage and buy those mugs that you were talking about. So it was definitely positive. And we've also been on Blue Blood. So you've seen our, you can see our logo on that 
for a few seconds. And, you know, I've had relatives call me like, oh, I was watching Blue Bloods and I saw Cafe Grumpy. So it's kind of fun to see it as part of the like landscape of New York City and Mm. just kind of taking on these different girls was definitely one where since the cafe was its own thing in the show, we got the most feedback about that and definitely had it got more popular. So that all makes sense and sounds like you manufactured luck there, which is <laughs> to be commended. But how this episode is about growth and how the tattoo or brand mindset can be leveraged in that regard. So what was your short story pathway from going from Brooklyn to, was it 12 stores and uh, as far as Miami? Right. Mm -hmm. So well, how does, what kind of analysis do you do there? How's that work? Well, it really was more about feelings and either the first location, it was very slow to start. So it was like, should we take a risk and try to expand because coffee, you know, it's a volume business. You want more people to know about your brand. You want more people to come in in the morning to get like to know your baristas to kind of rely on you for their pick me up and start forming their habit. So we just thought, let's, let's take a risk. And so our second store is in Manhattan. And that was exactly a year after our first location. And we just, it's just been a lot of hard work and we haven't Mm -hmm. really made certain business plans and thought about expansion in that way. We've just sort of come across spaces that being from New York, you kind of feel if, oh, this space is definitely going to work. It's on a good street or you kind of feel a good vibe. So I don't know if that's, it's not a great business plan to share with people, but it's kind of (laughs) a feeling sort of thing. (laughs) Yeah, no, no. It's an honest answer, which is the most important. Would you, did you learn anything from that? Were there any sort of failures or things that taught you how to get more attuned or, or better in your spidey sense of where we're a good cafe company? I mean, we, we have learned so much and it's been a lot of work, but I think the one thing was probably the amount of space you might need to have a coffee shop or to have a place where a community can come. In the beginning, we thought maybe it needs to be a bigger space where people can hang out. And as, as we've gone through, we've kind of learned you can make more with less. So you kind of, we have to be thrifty and you ha- we sort of look at space in a different way now. I'd rather not spend so much on the fit out. I'd rather have a little smaller store. And especially during the pandemic that taught us that maybe people just want to have their coffee to go. (laughs) So uh, things have changed so much. We we did open in 2005. So the last few years have definitely changed our views as well. But just thinking about when we see a space, thinking about how much work we need to put into that space. And that's kind of been the main lesson, I guess. Not to like mm-hmm. spend so much money just to make sure you have a space that's starting off where you feel like maybe you need to just do a little plumbing electric and put in a counter and make it look good, but don't go crazy because if it's not your building, like in the landlord still, it's still uh, not being clear here, but you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's someone else's No, it <laughs> so. sounds like less is more. And, and yeah. in my book, I was writing about Starbucks and how their product in terms of the marketing mix and the product price place promotion is not necessarily coffee it's it's an experience of having kind of a a living room around the world Mm -hmm. which is is a different experience it's a different way of going about being it's more of a brand approach it's the idea that whether you're in new york city or tokyo you're understanding the experience and expecting some real 
consistency. Is the consistency something that is important to Cafe Grumpy? I think that's really important in coffee because you need to have something that people feel like they know what they're going to get and they feel confident that they're spending their money and they're getting a good quality product and they can rely on you to, you know, even just the caffeine, make them feel a certain way or, and like you talked about the living room, I feel like you don't even need a big space to make that living room feel. It's, it really, it comes down to like how you make people feel when they walk in, how the baristas approach their job. If people are happy or communicating well and you get your coffee in a timely manner. And like, you know, we have like artwork from local artists. So just creating a vibe where yeah, consistency and just like a feeling of community and meeting people's expectations and going beyond them as well. I hear feeling a lot in your <laughs> description and I love it because I feel that for tattoos, it's about feeling, it's about emotions. And you mentioned using your feeling to see if does a space work based on who we are as a story, as an experience that we want to deliver. And then the feeling that you want someone to have when they leave, uh, they come in grumpy, leave happy. And then also you had mentioned having your baristas be a part of the routine, a part of the journey for the customer coming through the door. So they're like, hey, you know, Michelle yeah. or hey, Bobby or hey, and bringing that really homey, cozy, familiar sense to the store and delivering that to your customer. And I think that is the essence of a tattoo as far as I'm concerned. You know, it is that emotional connection. It's paying attention to those little, little details down to what's hanging on the walls in your store. And so that was just something that coming up and I was like, wow, if this isn't like the bullseye for a tattoo, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what <laughs> is. And I do want to ask you, there's so many things that you've mentioned that has contributed to your success and growth over the years. I think the naming is very clever. The logo is brilliant with the orange and the, the grumpy coffee bean. The location um, in Brooklyn, being across from a movie studio, being featured in several stores. The baristas, it sounds like they're incredible. What would you say is that single point about Cafe Grumpy that's allowed it to really distinguish itself from so many other coffee companies that are out there. And then, of course, your big guys that are on the corners, your Starbucks, your Dunkins. What would you say has been that single thing that has stood out to be that point of differentiation for you? I mean, I hope it's the coffee taste, but mm. <laughs> I feel like maybe yeah. it is the like the logo and the way people feel about how they can like, it's almost like their friend or it's like them before coffee. So since I do the coffee buying, I'm like deep down, I'm like, oh, I hope it's the coffee that they can taste a difference. But I feel like maybe it's more of like the visual and then the feeling that you mentioned, like they, it's like the welcoming, like funny logo. And then they just feel like good about the experience, hopefully. So whereas we want it to be the coffee, I think the face kind of like brings, can like introduce the brand to like people that maybe haven't had coffee before that come in, mm. get tea or hot chocolate, whatever, you know, and mm -hmm. I feel like that's, probably this our strongest thing is probably that yeah it's the that. transformation you know that the idea that you are part of a ritual you're part of a lifestyle you're part of a routine that takes them from grumpy to to ready is is a <laughs> yeah. pretty brilliant offering and it has great resonance with the tattoos not brands concept and it's it's a pleasure to chat with you about it a little bit thank you thank you so much yeah, and before we let you go today, 
what would you say is the legacy that you want to leave? What is that vision that's guiding you or that big, I mean, there's so many big wins that you've had since you've launched, but where do you want to take us on the Cafe Grumpy journey? I think for me, it is, I would like people to learn more about where coffee comes from and what goes into making it and just be more aware of that. And it is a, even though it, you know, it seems like so easy to get so quick, like not that expensive and everyone has it. I feel like you really just knowing the story behind what it takes to make that coffee get into your cup, I think is really like deep down what I really would want people to like learn more about. And also just, you know, feeling more community, just getting together for coffee just is a really important part of people's day. There's so many challenges that we go through. I think that's like such a simple thing that we can really appreciate. Yeah. Wow. This is great. And I think there's a thread with the founders that we speak to that have these incredible, powerful tattoos is story and storytelling and the layers of storytelling that goes goes into the thought, the concept, the company, the people, the product. So thank you so much for joining us today on Tattoos Not Brands. I really appreciate that. Any final words, Clint, for Caroline before we let her go? I think you're you're really onto something. Since we're talking about growth, I, I guess the every growing business has that tough choice to make of, of how much growth is enough or at what point does the concept or the demand or or the zeitgeist of of your customer potential customer base exhaust itself and i think that you're quite right that, that has a lot of dimension in your the instinct that you've built in in creating a 12 piece business the you think about ones that have pushed too far later in the show we're going to talk about dunkin donuts and how that is how do they fit into that so i guess the growth question is how much is is enough and how do you figure that out right well i mean i feel like the more people that can enjoy our coffee the better but that said mm-hmm. you know it's only two of us here as owners so we would obviously <laughs> so we've taken it quite far on our own we would like to see it all over the country and expand our grocery and just have more people familiar with it so i'm yeah. not i'm not sure we've we just, well, it's an ongoing you, thought. <laughs> yeah. You just, maybe you need to become scientists and figure out how to clone each other. <laughs> <laughs> then that would solve that. Yeah, I think it would be well received in other cities. So we are looking to grow and, but it's, it's an, a question. Yeah. <laughs> the it's landscape every, keeps changing as well. So. Yeah. And I think it's a question that everyone that, that <laughs> listens to this podcast is dealing with. So let's stay in touch on that. All right. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. We Thanks again. You. All right. Bye, Caroline. Bye. Bye, Thank Caroline. You. Thanks. <laughs> wow. That was such a great interview with Caroline and so inspiring. You know, from a, when I hear stories like that, a husband and wife team launching their own business and then in New York City of all places and growing a coffee company in such a big city where Starbucks is king and and then now expanding to Miami. Wow, such an inspiring story. Absolutely. The process of growth is so interestingly articulated when it's retail. You, mm. Everyone 
probably becomes sort of a like a child or a monument to the momentous effort that it takes to to make anything happen anywhere. So I just give so much credit to building something like that that has so much just risk and so much riding on that the instinct of mm-hmm. this is a good spot yeah. and uh, yeah. that's an innate skill that's honed <laughs> over that's over right. they started in 2005 so over helping me with my math here 15 plus 5 plus nine, so 17 years mm-hmm. through a pandemic mm-hmm. through that's a heroic effort absolutely and, and still it. wanting to do it and wanting to go, go nationwide and there's clearly a there's clearly an adrenaline to growth and there's there's an addiction I, I think probably to just nurturing something the, the thrill of seeing it grow and the inevitable twists and turns it's a big part of being a tattoo yeah and that they're they're really adding value to people's lives mm-hmm. I mean their brand is so much about feeling and making you happy and and who doesn't want that to go nationwide I'm just saying <laughs> so you know what time it is? It's time to play bot, brand or tattoo. Yes, it is. As you know, in each episode, we play this game to help us better decipher what a tattoo mindset actually looks like as opposed to a brand. Nova, are you ready to get started? Let's go. Yes, I am. I know, I know, I know. (laughs) Okay, we're going to select four names to categorize into either a tattoo or a brand. Let's see where it takes us today. All right. Well, first up, Cafe Grumpy. Cafe Grumpy. That's it. Uh, Cafe Grumpy is a tattoo. It's a tattoo and will be a tattoo for a long time. Okay, I'm not arguing with that. I think that they have the perfect recipe for what a tattoo is. And if a brand, if a company or product is confused or wants to know if they are a tattoo or brand, Cafe Grumpy is an excellent example of how they can decipher that and then but also they're an amazing i would say use case on how to create a tattoo that works that has staying power that still has a stickiness factor after what was it 17 years of opening their first store so yes echo that ditto ditto definitely a tattoo okay now for something completely different or is or not is this completely different duncan not Dunkin' Donuts, but Dunkin'. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I'm going to throw Dunkin' Donuts in there because I feel that they're a brand that was trying to become a tattoo or trying to implement aspects of being a tattoo that's now definitely a brand. But there was a period there where it was like, okay, what are you guys doing and what are you trying to be? And it was the battle of, are you competing with McDonald's? Are you competing with Starbucks? Like, where are you? What are you? But I feel they've hit a sweet spot and are definitely <laughs> a brand. Start as a brand, mm-hmm, still mm-hmm. a brand. Yeah. I mean, to me, it is synonymous with donut and it's synonymous with the the aroma. It's synonymous with the palate, the childish thrill of getting a donut or, or anything sweet like that is is hard to forget. I grew up on the East Coast, so it was Duncan. But I, I guess if you're, I didn't grow up on the West Coast, so I'm not sure what it is, but I, I think it's something different or maybe Krispy Kreme or, or something like that. 
has had these seemingly donut wars over the past 20 years. And it does seem that Duncan has has maintained the ability to be so well known that they dropped the product that they specialize in from their name, which I think is indicative of brand status. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, when I think of Duncan, I think of more of a warm, fuzzy, hot drink, Mm. something that's familiar. And I love how you brought up childhood. I, I didn't think about that. And the psychology behind donuts, which mm-hmm. do bring you back to that inner child and that feeling mm-hmm. of wonder and excitement, like, ooh. But when I think of Duncan now, I think of it more for hot drinks, but it's a different emotion than I get than from a Starbucks. And it's just more personal, more familiar. But yeah, and I think it is attributed to how they started their story, being a leader with the morning breakfast donut. So yeah. Well, I think they've also been smart as students of the marketplace and mm-hmm. looked at the the marketing mix and see that Starbucks and those in that price point were alienating those that wanted a version of those drinks but wanted to pay maybe a third mm-hmm. or a half of that and get go even more extreme to candy flavors and sort of crazy experimental flavors that are not necessarily sophisticated, but taste great and mm-hmm. are in generally large value. So it speaks to more of a value-oriented customer that needs the drink, but doesn't need to spend $7. Right, right, right. So another classic way of, of utilizing the marketing mix to understand gaps in the market and figure out how you can fill it, which is the entrepreneurial way. That's right. And I have a, another brand or tattoo for you to decide between McDonald's. (laughs) Donald's. Oh my God. (laughs) Hardly a bigger brand. I was there (laughs) over the weekend. It's where my 11 year old son wanted to go after basketball and can't, not much for me on the menu. I'm not that's not for me, but I, I was happy to take him because it's exactly what he wanted because they have figured out how to be responsive to those that are seeking very simple pleasures. It's a very much 11-year-old process of simplicity and absolute delicious manufactured <laughs> flavor. <laughs> so, And you can have it in New York or Tokyo or Alabama. That's right. That's true. So, the same experience all over the world. Same experience. <laughs> I love it. It's a manufactured flesh. <laughs> well, it is. I mean, it's brilliantly manufactured. All right. What do you have for me? All right. This, you know, you're going to need to help me on this one. Five guys. Tell me about five guys. Tattoo or brand? Tattoo. And so five guys is a burger and fry, what you call a burger and fry joint. Um, they're known, very simple. Menu, very nostalgic aesthetic. When you walk into their stores, it's the red and white checkerboard tiles along the wall. So it reminds you of, a, I don't know, maybe a, a drive through or a diner back in the 50s or 60s. And I was introduced to five guys in Florida, but it's also in the Northeast. And I'm currently in Pennsylvania. And so it's here as well. 
But I feel that they've done a really good job at just taking two products, burgers and fries, and perfecting those two products. And so if you are a burger connoisseur, they've won a ton of awards for their burgers. I don't necessarily eat burgers, but I love fresh French fries. And if you're a French fry connoisseur, then it's also a place to go. They're also known for their milkshakes. I don't do milkshakes Mm. anymore, but apparently they have really delicious milkshakes. So again, just going back to the the, what's my kids say, the olden days, <laughs> going back to the olden days, they just took this aspect of the drive-through burger place and they mm-hmm. brought it into modern times. Super simple, burger, milkshake, fries, but super high quality, really distinct, unique flavors. And just to give you an example, the French fries are cut fresh and mm. fried in peanut oil. So sorry guys who's allergic mm. to peanuts, but for those that aren't, me, it's delicious. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I'll say tattoo. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a tattoo with potential if they desire it to go bigger. Absolutely. I feel they do have that stickiness, but then the the visual storytelling has the ability to go nationwide, global if they choose to, but right. with the awards that they've earned along the way. So, all right. Well, you know what? That's it for BOT, B-O-T, Brands or Tattoos. So to summarize, Cafe Grumpy, Five Guys are tattoos, while Dunkin' McDonald's are brands. Are we good? Are we on the same page? You got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. Well, I have a final question for you because this is, of course, about growth. This show, we're talking about growth. As a business grows, do they need to focus from taking their tattoo to a brand or do they just remain a tattoo? Well, the great news is they don't need to do anything. They, since they're entrepreneurs and since they're in a position to make their own destiny, it's a huge part of the business planning question that's not often dissected or debated. It's assumed that growth is the only option, you know, especially in the tech startup space, grow or die. And that's, to me, reckless. To me, it doesn't make sense that every business, every idea has to be a unicorn or has to be a X number of million dollars. It's great. Don't get me wrong. There's every reason to aspire to whatever you want, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't necessarily have to have 10 or 12 zeros for it to be successful. Yes, it can be instinctually driven, but I think it should be practically driven. I agree. Carolyn made the very important point a couple times that it's just her husband and and her. Mm -hmm. So that is a limitation. And unless they find a way to clone themselves, they will need to have another growth plan. So, and then lifestyle gets factored into that. Is growth going to kill you? Literally, mm. do you have the discipline and the sound mental and physical health to endure a 20 hour day, 20 hour, 24 hour a week, 24 hour a day, seven day a week yeah. thing? Is it worth it? And I people don't, that. don't ask that enough. It's, I well. agree I with you. We've all done that. I am so glad you brought that up. And I think it's an important point to make. You do have 
these businesses that have been sort of like the beacons for all entrepreneurs. And like you said, grow or die 10, 12 figures in terms of revenue, but at what cost? And as we're hearing these stories of these tattoos and how much they just sound like they're having fun. The founders are having fun. They're still passionate. 17 years in, you're, you're still loving what you're doing. You still want to bring value to your customer. You're still innovating. You're introducing new product lines and you're doing it without compromising quality. And quality of life is everything. And so at what expense do you want to grow? right? And I love that you bring that up because it's something that's not talked about a lot. And it's a huge advantage point for being a tattoo. So yeah, awesomely stated. And then sadly though, this brings us to the end of this episode. Caroline gave us a ton of great insights about the challenges that she faced, but then also how they've overcome those for growth and evolution. She sure did. Well, guys, thank you for listening to Tattoos Not Brands, Marketing Outside the Lines. This is the podcast that explores how we can give meaning to our products and services without conforming ourselves to a rigid set of rules or copying the status quo. I'm Clint, your host. And I'm Nova, your other host. Make sure to tune in for our next episode. And if you liked what you heard today, make sure you leave us a five-star rating. And that's on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite podcast listening platforms. It really helps us out. That's true. And thanks so much to our guest, Carolyn Bell from Cafe Grumpy. Go get some coffee and some good vibes at Cafe Grumpy. And we'll see you next time. See you next time. Ciao.